Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Jordan Mulligan, and today's episode is with Rock Thomas, a motivational speaker, inspiring mentor, um, one of the best-selling authors, a podcaster. He does it all. Businessman, entrepreneur, coach. This guy has a very, very powerful message, and I'm so excited to share it with you guys today. Today's episode, as always, was made possible at www.mulliganbrothers.com, where you can get the new Memento Mori poster, a poster to remind you that you're going to die. It is 80 years of tiny squares that I shade in every single day. It's on my fridge. I look at it and I know how precious time is. Use code PODCAST at checkout for 10% off the poster and the frame. And also you can get the t-shirts, hoodies and journals with the www.mulligan.com and all of it goes back into creating this content. Before that, let's talk to the amazing Rock Thomas. Okay, so I'm a serial entrepreneur. I help people become whole life millionaires. And what I realized is that most people are not taught to be investors or taught to be consumers and therefore they never win the money game. And what I realized is that when people have a lack of money, they also have a lack of one other very valuable resource. Do you know what it is? Time. Right? Wealthy people, you say, hey, you want to go to Hawaii? You got uh, four golf games booked next week. They're like, yeah, sure, let me go. Say that to a poor person, and they go, I can't afford it. Say, I'll pay for everything. And they say, no, but I, I can't afford a babysitter. I can't, I can't afford being away from work. So I thought that if we're going to increase the quality of life on the planet, the first thing people really need to do is learn how to win the money game. And so that's what I help people do is become financially literate, uh, develop a strong mindset. And from my experience of growing up with a lot of adversity and growing up on a farm, and going from working hard to changing my identity to working smart, from working with my hands at minimum wage to working with my mind and making now over $2,000 an hour to share my wisdom, I thought if this little farm boy from Canada can do it, then anybody literally can do it. I know that's so cliche because people usually come a place of, yeah, but can I do it? And the brain usually says, no, you're an idiot. No, you're too skinny. You know, you're too fat. No, you're, you have an accent. No, you don't speak enough languages. No, you blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. It downloads the limiting beliefs that are suggestions by the people that we love and it strangles us our whole life. So I've, I've just saw people struggle and I thought there's no need to with the right information. And so that's kind of like my mission now. I have 44 streams of income. I like businesses. I like building things. But mostly I like helping people be a better version of themselves. You just touched on um, seeing other people struggle. So um, to have that empathy for yourself, is that what you've gone through as a child, those, those situations that you've gone through a child, as a child? Um, is that what led to having that empathy and trying to help others? Yeah, a little bit, but let me first say this, is that most people, about 95% of the population, oscillate between two mindsets, that of the victim and that of the achiever. And we are taught to, you know, work hard and, and get a side hustle and all those things, if you're in that achiever mode, 
you know, take a slap on the face, pick yourself up. You fail at a business, learn, move on, which is fantastic. I teach all that. Sadly, though, is if it happens too much and you don't have the ability to reframe the event, you feel like you're losing in life instead of learning. And so one of the cornerstones of my teaching is that we've got to really understand that success is on the other side of the challenges. And therefore, the biggest skill that you want to have is your ability to handle a result that most people call failure. I just call it temporary defeat. And there's a big distinction there, right? Is when it's failure, people want to hide it. They have shame around it. They're embarrassed. When it's temporary defeat, it suggests that there's a better way. You just need to get more skilled or to have a, have a different environment. And so I teach people there's no winning and losing. There's winning and learning. And do you like to learn? And most people say yes. And so you either get the result that you want by getting a great return on your investment or getting the promotion or the job or the girl or whatever it is, the car, or you learn that that was an ineffective pattern and you need to get some training, some mentorship, try it a different way. And what bridges that gap is your dream, your vision, your purpose, your reason for going after it. Listen, how many things do you do in your life you don't really love? right? To get to the things that you love. Yeah. The way that that crosses, you know, that, that chasm is your vision, the reasons you're going to do it. And most people never really get clear. So they're not that motivated. So they oscillate between victim and achiever back and forth. And if they find enough people that are willing to also be victims, they can get together and go, the government sucks. COVID sucks. Competition sucks. Uh, your boss sucks. My boss sucks. Um, you know, let's, and, and you don't get ahead. So I teach the four stages of consciousness and how to move from victim and achiever into flow state, into purpose state. And it makes people's lives a lot easier. I know obviously it takes a while to teach that. What are some basic principles to, to get into that sort of from victim mentality into sort of the victim mentality? Great question. I think that You know, I would ask you just as an example, have you ever been doing something where time disappeared, where you were in a conversation, you're having a great time, you you were with friends or playing something and just time disappeared? Yes, yes, all the time, yeah. Yeah, so that's a flow state. That's a state when you're doing what you love and you feel like you're making a difference in the world or you're doing something that, you know, usually is good for other people. Um, To get to that state, there's ways to do that. But once you're in that state, Uh, You're serving others. You're in your genius zone. You're not in resistance. Um, That's why we call it a flow state. And the way you get there is through things like meditation, visualization, slowing down, asking the right questions to direct your mind or quiet your mind so you can tap into your highest, higher purpose for being there. And I think that each individual has a different amount of time that they're in those places. I'd like to say, oh, I'm in flow state all the time, but I'm not. I used to be maybe 80% of the time in victim and pissed off and cranky and upset. Now I might be 10 or 20% victim. So it's a graduation. It's a practice to get yourself into that place where you can attract the right kinds of people. You're open to things. And then things happen with a lot less effort. Like how many times have I said to people, Hey, you could invest with me in, in industrial or student housing or in, um, uh storage units 
but they're in victim and achiever. So they don't even, they can't even hear that conversation or that opportunity because their mind says, I don't deserve it. I need to continue to struggle. And so the people that have graduated through that invest with me, we have 60 million in, in, in storage. We're getting them a return of hundred percent in three years. Once you start getting used to that, we talked before the show at the power of your identity. Once you start getting used to that, you expect it, you see it. When it comes knocking at your door, you say yes to it. I love it. So, so how, do, how do we, for people who don't have a passion or a vision or whatever you want to frame it, how, how would they find that? How do they go out and seek that? Do whatever you're doing at 100%. And I give you an example. When I was 15 years old, I wanted to become a pilot. And so I started taking some flying lessons, but it was very expensive. And I said to my, you know, my pilot, my, my teacher, I said, you know, I really want to get my license, but I can't really afford it. And he suggested to me that I went tobacco picking where you work 16 hours a day and a lot of money in six days a week. And so I did when I came back, he was so impressed that I did this. But he offered for me to become a part owner in the plane, which chopped my um, expense for lessons in 50%. Plus, I'd made a ton of money. Uh, my pilot's license before I got my driver's license. Because I played full out. I showed interest. I asked quality questions. Give me another example. I grew up on a farm, and I got to sweep the barn every day at the end of feeding the horses. And I thought it was the stupidest thing, a 12-year-old kids sweeping a barn. I'm like, what am I ever going to do this? This is, and this is my, my mind thinking. I'm very sexist at the time. This is back in the seventies. I'm like, this is a woman's job sweeping. But then when I was 17 years old, I left the house. I got a job at McDonald's and guess what? I worked at the McDonald's with the largest lobby, the largest eating area. And what did you have to do? You had to sweep. Well, I didn't know, but I had 10,000 hours of sweeping. I swept that place better than anybody in the history of McDonald's ever did. And I was able to do the job of two people. I got a promotion. I got a job in the kitchen, all because I had a skill set that allowed me to do something better. And it proved to me that when you play full out, sweeping the floor or cutting the grass or being an attentive student, right, then life then gives you opportunities, does that make sense? Yes, definitely, definitely. When you play full out, it's like the universe looks at you and they go, oh my God, look at him. He's working hard. He's cleaning his house. He's, he's making his bed. He's, he's doing the dishes before he goes to sleep. He's like, a, he's an intentional person. Let's send him some more business. So that's been my experience. For me, that's, I have a very similar experience as well. And I think we have a saying here at, at Mulligan Brothers is trusting the process. And just, and, and that, that coming to you, um, and like you say, like, it almost feels like a gift of the universe sometimes. Um, I've had very similar situations as mopping floors and finding myself in, in another job and being the, the best guy who can mop the floors. It's just very strange, but it, how it, it comes into fruition in the future. Um, and I guess it's something we can only see looking back as well. So talking about history for yourself, you have had... Um, very successful video on YouTube of talking about your childhood growing up and your perspective now, looking back, I'm guessing as a small boy would have been very different. So what was it like growing up for yourself? Um, how, what were the lessons learned after the fact as well? 
there's a lot of lessons. I think the first thing is that children are at the mercy of their guardians or their parents. And if a parent does a good job, I really believe that they help fill the self-esteem by uh, a child, by making them feel safe and seen and wanted and desired and nurtured. So many people I've worked with in coaching, they just feel like, you know, I just felt like my parents didn't see me. I felt like, you know, they were working all the time or they were fighting or they were an alcoholics or they just, I wasn't important. And so we lose our childhood at a young age and we develop something else, which is, you know, a coping mechanism or a skill set. Some people get into drugs, alcohol, gangs, um, they go on welfare, they cut their, cut themselves, they take pills, et cetera. There's many different ways to respond to not being loved, not being protected. My way of responding was to prove to my father that I was the biggest, baddest, badass that was ever created. And I was going to show him by achieving. And so, you know, I played football and everything I did, I played hard and fast and strong. And my father would give me chores around the farm. And every time I would do them, he would come out and inspect and he would always find something I did wrong. And after a while, I got tired of that. So before I would call him to come inspect the job, I would think to myself, what's my dad going to say I did wrong? And then I would fix it. And the gap between the things that were you know, not perfect and better became smaller and smaller. And he struggled because before it was I missed the pink spot. Now I went over, I looked and I'm like, okay, brushed up, touched up, etc." You made a mess here. You shouldn't have, you know, dropped that paint on the, on the gravel. It's bad for the, the soil. And I would clean that up. And so I started to realize that when you are a problem solver, you will get paid because people like problems being solved. So I developed that skill set, went out in the world and became a really good entrepreneur because of it. The problem with that is proving to somebody that you're enough by achieving is a temporary band-aid solution. It's not fulfilling. So I woke up in my 30s and 40s, successful, decorated in my business, did really well in real estate, on the most successful franchise, Remax franchise in the province of Quebec, 270 salespeople, billion dollars a year worth of sales, all the things you would think would make you happy only to find out that I started to party harder looking for the next high. And so the journey of, you know, learning the skill set, being an achiever took me into success, but a different problem came up is because I had success and I realized it didn't make me happy. I started to look, look for it through partying and drugs and alcohol. And then when that started happening, I started to realize that that's not the road to it either. And so now I had to undo all those things. And that's when I got into meditation, yoga, and quieting the mind and started to pull it all together and came up with this philosophy of the whole life millionaire, which is much more balanced. I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like I rambled there a bit. No, no, it, it, it did. Um, so whole life millionaire, that's something I'm interested in just hearing. So how, how is, is it a way of living? Yeah, I would say it's a lifestyle. And it comes from a very fundamental understanding of when you when you divide your life into different areas, health, let's say health relationships and money, we can go down hobbies, career, spirituality, all of that. We have all of that. We have eight categories. 
But the ones that I think need to be addressed the most, and not necessarily for all people, but if, like I said before, if you can learn how to own cash flowing assets, then you're going to not have to work. How does that feel to think you don't have to work? For most people, it's a dream, right? So we need to educate people because I could come across a person who's 40 years old and they don't have $40,000 in the bank. They're like still living paycheck to paycheck. And I say to people, you're 40 years old. How did you get to 40 years old? And you can barely even write a check for two grand to make a decision because you are a consumer. So we have to definitely direct it to their money blueprint, the beliefs around that, the relationship with money, do a little rewiring, change that, upgrade it, and turn them into investors versus consumers. So that's a big piece of what we do. And it's not that difficult. It's just we're a product. We're like, we're like software, right? So did you ever have a piggy bank growing up? Yes, I did, yeah. So do you remember what you might have spent the money on when you opened that piggy bank or what you did with it? Uh, probably sweets, so candy. Yeah, right. So think about the mindset, right? Is save money, save money, save your pun money. Grandma gives you some money for your birthday. Put it in, put it in here. And hold back, hold back, hold back, wait, wait. The child, that's difficult. And then what do you do? You smash the piggy bank and you spend the money. You don't invest the money. You spend the money. Very important manufacturing of our mindset. And so what I teach people and have taught my children is if you're willing to delay gratification, save some money and get your first piece of real estate as early as possible, 20 years later, you wake up, it'll be worth multiple millions of dollars. So that, you know, teaching people how to change that. Number two, energy is the edge. And having great energy is not something that's taught in school. In fact, the opposite is taught. We're taught to eat a Snicker bars at three o'clock in the afternoon because we're tired, which is exactly actually the opposite of what we need. We drink Red Bulls. We do all those things because they're easy to get energy. Coffee, just look at all the coffee spots, right? Addicted to coffee because it gives us a shot because we don't have a clear vision or purpose for our life. So we need some help to get energy. Energy comes from vision, lack of vision. Somebody will sell you something to artificially boost you, but you'll have a hangover later. Sadly, sometimes it's 20 or 30 years later when you have a hangover called diabetes or, you know, heart condition or what have you from consuming things that don't serve you. So we address people's energy levels and help them maximize their energy levels. And then thirdly, we work on communication. And when you work on those three things in an entrepreneurial level, within two to three years, we found that we can take people from broke to millionaire, from, you know, two, $300,000 worth of net worth to two, three million. And it's not about the money. It's who you need to become to create, attract, and keep that money, that mindset, and that healthy body and outlook. And so that's, that's what I do. I love it. What's, what's the ideal mindset for somebody who wants to be successful in business or, or any field? What is this, the ideal mindset? I'm going to answer that by telling you what the ideal mindset is not. The ideal mindset that is not is when... You want to do it to make money. The best person I, the best people I work with are people where money becomes a byproduct of doing something that serves people or that you love or that makes a difference. 
I had a guy who was a CPA and he had a sixth son and him, his wife and his mother worked around the clock on different shifts because they needed to be with him 24 hours a day. So he had enough reasons to find a better way to live his life than earning $110,000 as a CPA. He came to me and he said, Rock, got a side hustle in photography. I got my, this business. My wife works a little bit. She takes care of the game. My mom comes in and we all do these shifts. My life is a living hell. What can I do? So I said, well, let's get you into real estate. He goes, I don't have time. So the first thing I did was I gave him my Sunday system for success, which is a time management course, which teaches people how to gain five to 10 hours a week. And most people are like, oh, I don't believe that. Right. Because you're living a life where you haven't been exposed to it. I promise you, I can gain you five to 10 hours a week. And you go, okay, that would be awesome. I go, well, what are you going to do with them? Well, in his case, what he did was he studied how to invest in real estate, how to invest in Airbnb. It was his dream to get a few Airbnbs. He got a few. And he took a course I teach on how to find your gifts. What, what are you really in flow in, right? And he found out that he had the gift of teaching. So long story short, two years later, he teaches people online how to do Airbnb. And he charges, he started off charging his students $200. Now he charges them $10,000. He has, he has two boutique hotels, 28 doors all over the country in four different states that he manages from his phone. He's retired his wife, retired his mother, and his son uh, is homeschooled and travels around the world with them whenever they go on trips to their different places. And so... This is the type of thing that happens when you're exposed to the right content. You can change people's lives because we are just product of our environment. So another thing that um, I think you've spoken about is going through adversity and, and hard times. One of the things that I see as almost a uh, requirement of success, but I'd love to know your opinion, is hard times and hardships. Like, is it something that we have to go through whether it's willingly or we put ourselves through it. What you have is you have the emotional intelligence to, rate, to relate to people, right? Think about if there's a 45-year-old couple going through a divorce and they're going to go talk to a 22-year-old kid and get some therapy. They, he can't relate to what they've gone through. He has no kids. He hasn't lived for 10 years trying to, you know, get a job, what have you. So there's no emotional intelligence there. The reason you want to deal with somebody who say, I don't know, an Olympic athlete in wrestling and you know, in wrestling is they might've worked for four years for a three minute match. They got four years of intelligence invested in focusing on a result that lasts three minutes that you're after. How much wisdom is there there? Mm. There's a ton of wisdom. Right? How much heartache is there? How many times have we heard the story of you know the person who who practiced for four years and pulled their hamstring ten minutes before the hundred yard dash? They had to wait another four years, and then that person is a phenomenal coach because they know what it took to rehabilitate, etc. So, yeah, I've been through divorces, I've been through bankruptcies, I've been through people that have partnerships and have not done their end of the partnership. I've broken multiple bones in my body. I've um, hyperextended my leg, had a cast on it, and stood on stage for 12 hours and still did the event. Um, I could tell you, you know, a million things I've done. Uh, kids being sick uh, with me being sick and forcing myself out of bed. So 
the adversity creates the emotional intelligence and the emotion intelligence creates the empathy to say, you got this. This is normal within the context, right? If you have you ever run a marathon? I have, yeah, yeah. I was running in this marathon. I don't know what it was like for you, but when I got to the lot to the 25th mile, that last mile felt like 100 miles. Yeah. And I remember some guy who, God bless him, was sitting, right? Can you relate? Yeah, it was exactly like that for me, yeah. So at that moment, when you've got one mile left, the words that you might want to hear is, the toughest part is over, and this upcoming part might seem daunting to you, but if you've done 25 miles, I believe in you. You got one more mile in you. Come on, buddy. Something like that. Instead, what I got was some guy drinking a beer, 70 pounds overweight, yelling at me, going, come on, man. You got this. You know, you're almost done. It's easy. The way my brain was wired was like, screw you, buddy. You have no freaking clue what I'm going through. Had I had an ultra marathoner, on the sidelines with one mile left, he could have related to me and probably read my mind and said the thing that would have inspired me, motivated me, touched me, made me feel like he knew what I was going through. And so for me, I've experienced, I lost a million dollars in the stock market, not once, not twice. But when COVID hit, I surrounded myself with the right people. I was able to make you know, all of it back and more. It took me 25 years to get pretty good in the stock market. But remember, there's no winning and losing. There's winning and learning. It was 25 years of learning for me to get to a point to make millions of dollars in a short period of time. That was the cycle of my learning. Some people do it quicker. I'm maybe just on a slower cycle. Some people are going to wait 20 years to buy their first piece of real estate. If they listen to me, I'm going to tell them, do everything you can. If you're enjoying this podcast episode, please consider going to support us at www.mulliganbrothers.com where you can get the Memento Mori poster, a poster to remind you that you're going to die. I fill mine in every day and I stare at it at the fridge. And let me tell you, it is the biggest stop I ever had to procrastination. I realized how powerful this is, how important it is to move with passion and purpose when you understand that death is only but around the corner. Use code podcast at checkout for 10% off. Let's dive back into the conversation. What is that, that mindset that is making people see? Is it, is it something we have to go through to be able to see the win and everything and see the silver lining and everything? The bottom line is that mindset comes down to overcoming the obstacles that are in your environment and deciding that you're going to do so without leaking energy. I'll give you a specific example. Have you heard of something called the shingles? Yes, I have, yeah. I've had them. What was that like for you? Um, painful from what I remember, yeah. It was quite painful, yeah. So some people will go through that and it will cripple them, debilitate them, it'll knock them out, and justifiably so. I got shingles two weeks ago. Right now, I am in massive pain on my chest and back. And you probably wouldn't know it unless I told you. Mm. And so that comes from a trained mindset of there's a job that needs to be done called this podcast. 
and nothing's going to stop me because I decide how I'm going to show up. And so I keep on telling myself, I'm going to, I can overcome that. I can deal with it later, what have you. And, and this is the thing where when I teach in my men's group is who decides and everybody points to themselves and says, I decide, I decide how I'm going to respond to this situation. I decide how I'm going to respond to an employee quitting to somebody embezzling to the market changing to getting shingles, to breaking my leg. I decide how I'm going to respond. Winners decide in a way where they don't play the victim. How do I use this to my advantage? And so when you practice that and you're around people like that a lot, then it becomes normal not to, to not be upset, angry, frustrated, but not to live there. Mm. And that's the difference I find is successful people. The, the amount of time they focus on the problem is maybe 10%. 90% is focused on the solution or getting better to handle the current problem that maybe is bigger than you. And those are the type of people that are fun to be around because they're like, okay, well, how else can we do this? Oh, what the, uh, you know, the, the vacuum cleaner for the pool doesn't work. Okay. Well, maybe we can use um, the fishnet. Uh, maybe we can dive down and, and clean the pool at the bottom and have fun holding our breath. And do you know what I mean? They pivot and they find ways to win. I love it. So yeah, talking about the specifically, uh, COVID and all the situation we've seen, there's been this huge divide and it's interesting to see when crisis hits, whether it is like a pandemic or a crisis in your life, that we see the successful really shine and these people really shine. Is, is it something that we need to seek? Do we need to seek adversity? To, or, or is life going to serve us with enough adversity that we can be successful anyway? Life will serve you adversity, in my opinion, if you have no vision or goal, because life is about growing. So if you sit around on the couch all the time, one day you're just going to walk to the fridge, get, grab another beer, and you're going to trip and fall and break a leg, and now all of a sudden you have a new problem, right? Um, if you just sit around waiting for people to solve your problems, you probably end up with no money and get evicted from your apartment. So problems are part of life. The problem is, is that most people look at their problems, wishing they didn't have problems instead of realizing that the problems are there to serve them, to get them to grow. So then they fall victim, right? I don't like this problem. I don't want that boss. I don't want this to do my budget. I don't want to do my finances. I don't want to work out. So they have a long list of things they don't want to do. Where the, the person that is going to be the most successful, they decide on what is their goal Understanding that in order to run a marathon, you're going to have to work out three times a week. You have to get some new running shoes. You're going to have to practice. You're going to have to go through some pain. So they choose adversity instead of letting adversity choose them. When you build a company, you choose the adversity of trying to interview and hire people to work for your company. It's a pain in the ass. Employees are a pain in the ass. Because they have an employee men mindset. They don't have my mindset of make it happen no matter what, gut it through. I don't take sick days, right? They have the mindset of an employee. So you have to find the best employees, not the super really great ones because they're going to open up their own business. But you've decided that you're going to have to master the game of hiring and training people and managing them and keeping them happy. So adversity is a part of life, either by choice or by default. Make it happen no matter what mindset i like that so i mean it's it's self-explanatory but like i'm guessing you've got some specific situations so i'd love to hear some well i've got i've got big ones and small ones but uh you know a funny one is 
I was playing squash. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like racquetball, right? Yeah. Uh, playing on a team and I rushed from one appointment to the next. I got to the gym and I didn't have my running shoes. And I was one of four people playing in this round robin. And I'm like, okay, um, I have to play this game. It's not like I don't have running shoes. So my brain went to solution and I ran around the gym asking people if I could borrow their shoes. Nobody was willing to have the right size, what have you. So I went to Lost and Found. They had one pink shoe, a woman's shoe. And so I took my sock off, jammed my foot and took the sole out, somehow jammed it in and showed up with a bare foot and one pink shoe against my opponent. And the opponent was like, what are you doing? I go, I forgot my shoes. I'm going to play like this. He goes, you can't play like that. And I go, there's no rule that says I can't play like this. He goes, I know, but I'm going to crush you. And I go, we'll see. And so just with that mindset, right, of make it happen no matter what, I had an edge on him because he had a limiting belief. You can't play squash with one shoe. I don't have that. I don't entertain that. I have the, the belief of I'll play barefoot. I'll play with my left hand. I don't care. I will bring everything I have and find a way to win. And so that's a mindset, right? It's a belief system. I'd love to hear in bit like your, your, how you've done, yeah. pulled that through in business. So my father died when I was in my late twenties. I was a real estate agent and I, um, I was paying off his, his debt from his illness and from his back taxes. I too had gone through a divorce. I sued the company I was working for in the airlines for wrongful dismissal. I lost a ton of money. I learned a lesson there. And I was on my mom's couch, $3,000 in debt. And I was looking for a way to get out fast. And I, so I decided to get into real estate, but I was really bad at real estate. So I struggled and I worked part-time jobs to pay for gas for my car. And then I got this mentor who helped me and helped me get better and better at it. And within four years, I was selling hundred homes a year. I was the number one agent. He walked in my office one day and he says, Rock, I'm going to sell you the company. I was still paying off debt. I had no, I didn't know how to read financial statements. I didn't know how to lead a company. I was still this kid just selling real estate. And I said to him, he goes, do you want to buy the company? I said, yes. And inside I said, oh my God, what's going to happen? I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to go bankrupt. And, but I just knew that I could figure it out. And so I have this big saying, say yes and figure it out later. So I became very focused, very coachable, very curious, very open. And I just learned a ton in the next couple of years, bought this company and I went from, I was making like three, $400,000 as an agent. Next year I made a million plus as a broker. I was running an agency with 94 agents and within four years I took it to 275 agents. Didn't know what I was doing half the time. I just kept on saying yes, figuring it out, learning, bluffing, acting as if, uh, taking another course, learning a new language, saying, yes, I have the solution for you, but you know what? I got another meeting coming up in five minutes. Let me get back to you in a couple of hours. Buy some time, get on the phone, research, find the answer, come back to the person and say, here's the answer. So say yes and figure it out later is about being resourceful. Most people look at the lack of resources. I don't have the time, the money, the know-how, and they take themselves out. Successful people do the opposite. They put themselves in the arena. They put themselves in the situation that forces them to have a sense of urgency to find the solution. And then they go on a treasure hunt to find that solution. And they don't care about losing. They care about learning. 
And with that mindset, you can be an entrepreneur. You just get better every day until you find the solution. So what I'm, what I'm interested in there is just what did an average day look like? Like how are you juggling all of that, learning language? Uh, what, what did the day look like to be able to get through that? It was your typical successful day, up at five o'clock, workout, meditate, exercise, uh, sometimes with the kids, sometimes without, breakfast, drop the kids off at school, get to work by 7.30, quarter to eight, do an hour's worth of prep and prospecting before the day started. People rolled in around 9, 9.30, handle problems for them, add value, run meetings, meet with people, go all day long, uh, eat my salad in a Tupperware at my desk because, first of all, it's more nutritional. Second of all, uh, I had a belief at the time that lunch was for losers. And so I just powered through. And then I'd get home by 5.30 or 6 or 6.30 or 7 and eat with the family, spend some time, and then go back into my office and do some more prep work, learn, train, record, write part of my book, start a side hustle, what have you and work until the wee hours in the morning uh, or sometimes go out and play hockey or do something or take you know take my family out a couple of times a week but most of the time it was 12 14 16 hours a day for a long period of time um, until i had enough money that i didn't have to just run the business but i could invest in real estate and other businesses today i have 44 streams of income most of them run on their own but i really believe you know, unless you have some super intelligence, but even Elon Musk works 16 hours a day, right? Be obsessed or be average, be obsessed and get really good or be average. Be obsessed. I love that. So with, with that, my, my only concern is um, the how that affects other people around you. And I know we touched on finding people who support what you're doing and um, are pushing for similar stuff. Do you feel like you could you take it too far at all with the obsession and, and the work the work ethic? Yeah. Well, a lot of people around me will say that for sure. Right? When are you gonna chill, chillax, you're not working again, you're not starting another business, right? You don't have to make a podcast, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, <clears throat> there are three opponents. There is the external opponent that's your competition, that is all the things outside of your control, the weather, the economy, the interest rates. And those things you have to face head on. There is the internal opponent. That is your own mindset, your own inner narrative, or can I do it, your own self-doubts. But one of the ones that's the most difficult is the intimate opponent. And that's your family and friends that are like, you know, your parents, like, oh, be careful. You might go bankrupt. Or are you sure you want to do that? Are you spending too much time at the office? Or you spend more time with the kids? And So you have to learn how to manage all three of those opponents. And that's what we teach in my mastermind group is how to have a powerful mindset and to delineate the three different enemies that are out there. They're they're starkly different and they require a different skill set to work through, right? You You can go head to head with your opponent and be really tough. Do that with your seven year old daughter. It doesn't go over so well, you know? So you have to be able to shift gears and you have to be able to uh, roll with the punches. But at the end of the day, your, um, you know, your mindset and your toolbox that you develop through personal development will help you do that more gracefully. Okay. I love love it. So now if we were talking about your typical entrepreneur, um, you know, young guy, a lot of our audience are 20 to 25 years old 
uh, maybe working a job or working their first business and getting some money in. What's your advice uh, for those guys right now? Like what, what are most guys missing at, at that point in their career? Well, first of all, the biggest thing I would look for is hunger. So my question would be this is, let's say like I'm working with somebody, I'm going to help them become a millionaire. I've helped 75, 76 people do it. I know the path, right? Would you say 76 people is a good enough of a path? It's not bad, yeah. yeah. It's not like I'm a beginner at it, right? Yeah, yeah. So the number one thing I'm looking for is hunger. So I would, I have questions. It's like, let's say I say to you, Jordan, um, would you like to become a millionaire? Yeah, I would, okay. yeah. So I would say, what are you willing to do to become a millionaire? Um, I work every day, uh, every hour of the day and uh, put, put my all into it for sure. Right, so which is a great answer because you're willing to show up, right? So any version of whatever it takes rock. Yeah, basically, yeah. Basically, if you, if you have the formula and you have the path, right? If I'm gonna be coached by, I don't know, Tiger Woods on how to play golf, and he goes, rock, what are you willing to do? I'm gonna train you. I mean, whatever you tell me to do, I will do. I won't even question it. Problem is people want the easy route. So when somebody like me comes along and says, here's the plan, and here's what you need to do. And depending on who you are, you may really be really good with numbers, but not good with people. Or you may be really good with people, but not good with numbers. And guess what we're going to have to do? Because we're going to have to fix up some of those weaknesses until we can delegate them. Mm-hmm. Right? So are you willing to do that? The answer needs to be, yeah. Whatever, just put me on, coach. Tell me what to do. And so when we've established a baseline of hunger and coachability, then the rest is just plug and play. It's all it is really. Like if you want to get a a degree and become an engineer, say it's four years, they have the playbook. They're like, okay, you're going to go to, you know, say Harvard, your semester starts in September. It goes until December. Then you get six weeks off and you come back in January and it goes to April. You're going to do these assignments. You're going to study this. You're going to have to remember this, blah, 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 blah. And you need to do the work, right? Well, same thing to become a millionaire. I have the playbook. The question is, when you hit a roadblock, do you have somebody beside you that can say, Jordan, it's normal. Yes, you can't look at one real estate deal and buy the first one, right? My daughter's buying her first piece of real estate with her boyfriend and she, she's reluctant and hesitant because that's what people are. When they hit their uncomfort zone is they... They tell themselves, oh, I'm tired. I want to, you know, take a nap or go for a walk when really they're just uncertain. You follow me? And when they're uncertain, they're like, their brain is looking for a way to protect them. So they say, oh, well, let's watch a movie or let's spend time with the family. So I've been encouraging her to do it. Finally got her back on looking at properties with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend is, um, he's a professional athlete, so he makes good money. So they have no reason not to, to go ahead and purchase a property. But they have doubt. They have doubt because they don't know. And so they finally looked at a few properties. Dad, there's multiple offers. Uh, you know, should we just go in? And I go, no, you need to lose a few properties. You need to get emotionally associated going, that's the one we want. Understand the numbers, understand it's a good deal. And then underbid and have somebody else win it. Because you're going to now develop that emotional muscle we talked about before, Jordan, right? What is it like to go on the roller coaster ride? Not watch the roller coaster ride, but be on it right? And puke all over yourself or not. And so I want her to have reps, emotional reps, lose some deals, get close. Yeah. Imagine placing the furniture in there. See yourself. 
plant the tomatoes in the back garden and then have somebody rip that deal right in from you because you weren't prepared, right? And when you've done that 10 times, then we're going to know what is the right deal for you. So we have to teach them emotional fortitude. We have to teach them in the trenches when it's okay to fall down on your face and lose because you're going to gain some emotional mastery. And so the reason that people don't succeed at the rate they could is because they never find a mentor that can day in and day out hold their hand. And that, if you people to get nothing else from this call, is the most important thing. How did you learn to ride a bike? How did you learn to speak? How did you learn to walk? Think about this. How did you learn to walk? Every day for six months or nine months, you got up and you gave it 100% of yourself. You hung onto the corner of the coffee table, you stumbled and somebody was there to go, you got this Jordan, come on buddy, good job. Oh, hey, look, Jordan's walking. Look, he took a step, Whoa. The energy that went into it was unbelievable. Just for you to take one step and then you failed. And then the next day you got up and you battled and you were enthusiastic and you brought everything you had and you did it for six months. And then we're adults and we're 23 years old and we want to look at one deal and we want it to be easy and we want to call for, fi for financing and we want the tenants to be perfect. Oh no, I don't want to fix the toilet. Don't call me at nighttime, I'm sleeping. I need my rest to get up in the morning and do my yoga. No, you need all of that adversity. But guess what the difference is, Jordan? is when I'm standing there beside you and you get that call in the middle of the night with a broken toilet and then you text me and you're like, I got the call, Rock. I'm like, good, let's go. You can now develop a muscle. Here are your three choices. You can go over there and fix it yourself. You can call a plumber. Or remember you said that your dad was really handy? Maybe it's time to reconnect with your dad and create that relationship and see if he can help you out here to build your empire. Door one, two, or three. Which way are we going, buddy? You're like, uh, my dad's out of town or I don't have a relationship with my dad or whatever. Let's go with the plumber. Great. It's going to cost you about 175 bucks. <gasps> That's my total profit on that deal. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to have losing months. That's why you need to have a paying job so you can fill in the gaps. And while you fill in those gaps, there's four or five people that are about to sell a piece of real estate because they can't handle emotionally the ups and downs on this roller coaster ride called real estate that you are now weathering the storm for because I'm holding your hand. And guess what? Two to three years from now, you'll look back and you go, it wasn't that big a deal, Rock. But thankfully, you were there. And that is how you become a millionaire is to go up and down the roller coaster ride with a mentor that's been there before that tells you, yeah, this sucks right now, but that's okay. That's why you're going to be paid the big bucks in two to three years because you're going to develop the muscle to go through it when most people haven't. Make sense? Yeah, it, it completely does. Um, so for someone who has their finger on the pulse right now, this is me asking personally is, is there a point of time in the market right now with housing um, and property? Do you think there's a point if you're, if you're trying to set up a business right currently right now? Sell a business? Uh, to, to buy property, to, so to do buy-to-lets, and right now, yeah. do, do you feel it's safe to do so? So, first of all, people need to understand this, is real estate is a local market. I'll give you an example. Austin, Texas is a hotbed right now. It's a bit of the new tech center for people in Texas. Uh, Elon Musk has moved part of um, Tesla there. Apple has a place. I think Facebook does as well. 
their real estate is going through the roof. And I remember being there three years ago, it was going through the roof and thinking, God, it's at a bubble. I don't want to buy now. But if you bought three years ago, you probably doubled the value of your real estate in three years. So first of all, real estate is local. So you need to understand what are the factors that affect it. Detroit city, where there's a lot of car dealerships, if the car dealerships are struggling, the um, real estate in Detroit gets hammered. So know your market. Um, and the best way to do that is to deal with somebody that knows the market and has experience, right? So yeah, there's always a good time to buy real estate. I am currently in storage and industrial, got into it just before COVID started. And then we accelerated it because we saw what was happening. So we rent to people like Amazon and TJ Maxx and people like that. And so we buy properties that are usually mom and pop properties that are poorly managed, that have an upside. And within three to six months, we can usually increase the rents anywhere from eight to 50%. And so we make a, a huge upside in the first you know, little while. We cash flow right away, but we know what we're doing. We have a whole PhD Harvard team that examines the properties. We know trends, we know circulation of population, we know um, housing, hospitals, transportation, uh, and all of that's happening. We're looking at all these numbers and if they don't check all 39 boxes, then we don't buy. But we are in a surge of buying right now. So you just have to know your market, be surrounded by people that know their market. And our average return, like I told you, is you know easily 35, 40% a year with depreciation benefits, et cetera, because we've been doing it for a long time. So yeah, there's always a time to buy real estate. I love it. Okay, so I mean, that's something I, I need to get my research on locally then for myself, but yeah. Um, what would you, what's your advice for the, the young people who are trying to get into it, making that first step? Like what was your first property deal? When, what age was you and how'd you get into it? I was 20, 24, just bankrupt a restaurant with the 20,000 on board from my mom. Worked for six months for free there, had no money, not a pot to piss in, had a $200 red Toyota Tercel, and I got a job as a flight attendant in Quebec City. I had to drive up there and rented a room in a lady's house for $200 a month on the promise to pay her at the end of the month because I had this new job as a flight attendant. Got a job parking cars at a hotel and then started looking for real estate and found this privately for sale house uh, for $62,500. I put $2,000 cash down on my visa card because I had no money. I got a balance of sale, vendor financing, owner was the bank for I think it was 62,000 or 60,000. And I paid them monthly, but I had four people in the house that were renting rooms. So with the money I made from the people renting the rooms and I had one little room, I was able to pay for all the expenses of the house, all of my food, all of my cable, TV, everything, and have money left over to save about a thousand dollars a month. But I had no living expenses. Took all the money I earned as a flight attendant, parking cars and paid my mother back the $20,000 in 18 months and then bought another property three times the size and just kept on flipping and flipping and going from there. So what's the secret? I shared a house with five people. I lived below my means. I sacrificed my personal lifestyle 
to gain a future that was um, going to change my life forever. Um, so the, the last one that I just wanted to ask you is that the way you've just spoken about um, what it took, what it took for yourself personally, like living below your means. What does it take? Like in terms of like, like the, the living situation, living below your means, like a description for somebody, paint a picture for us. Like what does it take? Yeah, so great question. One of my favorite questions because I've got this great analogy is that in life, if you stop earning income, do your expenses stop? And the answer is no, because you probably want to eat, right? There's a few breatharians in the world, but most people choose to eat. And you probably want a bed and a roof over your head unless you're in prison where it's paid for by somebody else. So I broke it down into five elements, food, transportation, housing, discretionary spending, that's if you wanna go and buy yourself 14 golf clubs or whatever you wanna do. And then what I call subscriptions, your monthlies, right? Your telephone bill, your, your maybe your, um, your cable, whatever, um, you know, subscription and Netflix, all those things. Your goal is to win that game. So just look at each one as a game. What are you gonna do when it comes to food? Well, you can go and have lobster and champagne every night. You're probably going to lose that game. Transportation. Do you want to drive a, you know, uh, Ferrari and have high insurance and et cetera, et cetera? Or can you, you know, get a very decent car that gets you from A to B, but costs you $200 a month instead of $2,000? And the same for housing and the same for discretionary. You don't need Netflix. You don't need anything. In fact, if you want to build your empire, stop watching TV for three years, right? <laughs> you get the news on social media. So you can really trim and cut if you want to, depending on your motivation. So I just break it into those five categories and we say, you know, um, increase what you earn by getting a side hustle or two jobs or getting a raise, decrease what you burn, what you spend. So the gap is savings that you invest into real estate. And that's a formula, it's as simple as that. And it's based on the same thing I talked about before, Jordan. How hungry are you? Mm. I lived, when I was young as seven people, most of my life I lived with barely enough food on the table. When you live in close to feeling like there's not enough, that's enough to piss you off, at least in my case, that I went out and I worked 16 hours a day so I could save money to invest. That's where my pain turned into my passion and turned into today, you know, 44 streams of income. But sometimes people don't have the adversity that I have. So they're just like comfortable. And they've got parents that, oh, don't work so hard. Come over on Sunday and we'll cook and I'll do your laundry for you. And, and so it's harder for those people to get motivated, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it really does. Um, I mean, the thing is, there's so much to go through. Where, where would people find all your information? Where's the best place to get all this information from? So the best place to go to is rockthomas.com which is my website, really any social media, whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook, you'll find Rock Thomas. But social media is weird these days. So I suggest you go to the website um, and you can also go to my YouTube channel and get lots of free training and information there. Um, if they want a sampling of, of myself, they can get my free book. They can go to rockthomas.com forward slash free book and um, get a copy of the book that helped me transform my identity from working hard to working smart, from skinny little ugly kid to uh, ruggedly handsome. Uh, there's, there's ways that you can upgrade your identity and really impact your behavior because you will not 
Jordan, behave in any way other than how you see yourself. Mm-hmm. If, do you smoke? I don't, know. So if I offered you cigarettes, you probably wouldn't go, well, what brand are those? Yeah, let's smoke. You'd yeah. say I'm a non-smoker, right? Yeah. So our, you know, if you were to say to me, hey, Rock, why don't you not pay your, your visa bill at the end of the month? I would say because I pay my bills on time. And it really pisses me off to pay penalties. So it's an automatic payment. It happens whether I'm awake, uh, active, or even dead. It will happen next month because I pay my bills. That's who I am. So if you want to change the outside results in your life, Jordan, you want to be a millionaire, or you want to be fit, or you want to be healthy, or you want to laugh more, or you want to have more energy, you got to first change how you see yourself. This is step number one. Be the guy who manages money well. Be the type of person that exercises first thing in the morning if you want to have better health. Be the type of person that studies nutrition. Not haphazardly going, well, I think sneaker bars are good for you. I don't know, but I'm not dead, right? So I teach people first how to change the inside identity and then how to bump up against the adversity in the outside world. We coach them through the adversity, letting them know it's normal. And then let them come out the other side as an expanded identity as a whole life millionaire. So what we say is we build whole life millionaires. I love it. And everything's going to be linked down below. So if, the re- if people need the resources, please, please go check it out. Um, I feel like we need to pick this conversation up. So where are you based? Based in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. So okay. Place in Canada as well. Where are you? Uh, the UK, but we travel to the States a lot. It's just at the moment, it's not something we've yeah. been able to do very often. But when we do, I would love to come and interview you in person and get uh, f- do a lot of filming with you. That would be pretty fantastic. Yeah, um, you should. Yeah, you should come to one of our events. And uh, we have we have members in the UK. Uh, do you know Nick Bradley, who hosts the podcast um, Scale Up? Um, I've heard of Scale Up, yeah. I should introduce you to him. You should have him on your podcast. He's a great, great guy. He's from uh, England and um, he's huge on Clubhouse. If you're part of Clubhouse. Uh, No, I need to get into it. Yeah, I've heard of great things. So he'd be a great guy for you to know. We've got a a small little group of members in the UK. Um, I don't know. Maybe they like my Canadian accent or something like that. Who knows? But um, yeah, it's a global group. And I think you have a lot of people that follow you and, and want to learn more. I'm more than happy to contribute and help out in any way I can. Amazing. I re- honestly, it's so amazing because I think one of the things we definitely lack in in teaching the people who, who watch our stuff is finances as well. And um, I don't think it's emphasized enough um, about how important it is to be financially free. And, and what It's different- kind of like a taboo subject in certain environments. And so we've, we've kind of taken the taboo off of it and said, hey, listen, you know, if you're going to win the money game, you got to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and you got you to break the shackles of the unconscious programming. So um, I would love to follow up with you maybe uh, and talk a little bit later. I've got a hard stop in like three minutes um, and, and just stay connected and see whatever you can do to support each other. Fantastic. Okay, wicked. Um, what I'll do is once all this stuff's done, I'll get it all sent through to you. You can have a look at it as well. Um, and then definitely we'll just get, stay in touch and hook something up next time we're out there. 
I'm hoping sooner rather than later, but I, we're just waiting on some uh, government changes at the moment so we can fly. So that's just a limiting factor. But as soon as that's ready, yeah, that'll be fantastic. Beautiful. Well, it will happen uh, at some point in time. And when it does, then hopefully we get a chance to meet face to face and pour into each other's lives. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time as well. It really is appreciated. Cheers. All the best to you, Jordan. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, cheers. Bye. Thank you so much to Rock for doing this with us. I want to say a massive thank you to his team as as well who helped organize all of this. He has a huge operation from taking companies to worth millions of dollars to helping entrepreneurs to inspiring athletes to whatever it is. He is doing it and he's a very powerful guy. So if you want to check him out, go check on Instagram. And when I say powerful guy, I mean he's a very powerful, he has a very powerful message is, is what I meant by that. He's not like, um, a very powerful guy in the way in which he uses his power. It is the way in which he speaks, in the way in which he motivates. Uh, I hope that makes sense. So yeah, go check him out on there. You can check out his books and his courses as well, I believe, on his website. So go check that out. And a massive thank you to everybody who supported us at www mulliganbrothers.com where you can now get the t-shirts, hoodies, journals and the new poster. The poster is a reminder that you're going to die. It's 80 years of tiny squares that I shade in every single day. It's on my fridge and it's been the biggest powerful tool I have used to stop procrastination. Honestly, when you realize you're going to die, you move forward with passion and purpose in your life. You can also get the t-shirts and hoodies. Use code PODCAST at checkout for 10% off the poster and journal. um, The poster and frame, sorry. And when the journal is back in stock as well, I believe we've got 10% off that as well, but it's out of stock right now. Guys, have a blessed and productive day, and I'll see you in the next one. Peace.